0: A reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The Word of the Lord.
1: The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John.
0: Glory to you, Lord
1: Christ. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, "'and wiped them with her hair. "'The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. "'But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, "'the one who was about to betray him, said, "'Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii "'and the money given to the poor?' "'He said this not because he cared about the poor,' but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Praise
2: you, Lord Christ. Last weekend, I was watching a movie with some friends, and at one point in the movie, I can't quite remember what it was now, but someone said, that was awkward. And, and, of course, we all laughed. But I guess we've all been in situations when something happens, not on the screen, but maybe right in front of us. And we certainly think, even if we don't say it out loud... That was awkward. Someone is rude or says something incredibly crass or there's an uncomfortable silence. And invariably, someone else will quickly change the subject or cough or do whatever they can to move things along. Well, I I think there were a few awkward moments at the dinner party Jesus was attending in Bethany that we heard about in today's Gospel reading First, let's just remind ourselves of the context. This took place six days before the Passover, less than a week before Jesus was to be taken and murdered. Now, of course, the dinner guests didn't know that, but there was surely some tension in the air. Actually, there were all sorts of things in the air. On the one hand, there was an air of celebration. You remember... Where this dinner party was being held, it was at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And this dinner was in honor of Jesus. Just a few weeks before, Jesus had been in this same town when that house was filled not with festivities, but weeping and wailing and the stench of death. You remember Lazarus had died three days before that prior visit. But then, of course, Jesus had called Lazarus out of the grave. No wonder this time Jesus was the guest of honor. So what's so awkward about this scene? Well, first of all, and you've probably spotted this one, it's not really a surprise, but who was doing all the work? Martha was. While she was serving the food, her brother was just reclining at the table. That's a bit awkward. Well... Maybe not. I mean, I mean, he had been dead and was now alive, and it was his party. Well, it was Jesus' party. And he was a man, and the women were meant to do all the work. At least, that's how it was then. But Lazarus had two sisters. What about Mary? Was she helping Martha? Was she serving the food? Well, hardly. Actually, she starts to behave in a way that would make almost anyone feel awkward. She takes a pound of perfume. And that's a lot. And it was expensive too. And she starts to pour it onto Jesus' feet. Now, those of you who know me well will know I'm not a huge fan of foot washing on the best of days. But God is working on me and it's okay. But bathing his feet with perfume? And then she starts to wipe his feet. What, with a towel? No, her hair. Now, that really was awkward. And not just because I'm a Brit. Ne- never, you know... Never mind the cultural taboos against women letting their hair down in public. This was a bit extreme. I mean, can you imagine what will happen if someone does this next week at our Monday Thursday service? At the very least... What? <laughs> can I? Ah. Well, at the very least, I think it might be a bit embarrassing a bit over the top. Luke tells us that the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. What a contrast to the fragrance of death that had filled that house just a short while before. But you know, there was another smell in that room and it wasn't pleasant. It was the stench of meanness, betrayal, and contempt. Judas couldn't stand the embarrassment, the perfume, the love, the wasteful adoration and devotion and worship that was being offered to Jesus. It made him want to throw up and dripping with judgment, ridicule, and contempt, he objects to what was going on. Why wasn't this perfume sold for some money that could have been given to the poor? It was worth a fortune. What a waste. What a scandal. How dare Mary embarrass everyone and behave with such abandon? And John reminds us that Judas wasn't actually remotely bothered about the poor, he was simply a thief. Anyway, the awkward moment is now glaringly obvious. This cannot be circumvented with a cough or some nervous laughter. This is right in your face. What will Jesus do? What will Judas do? What are Mary, Martha, and Lazarus going to do? What would you have done? I've said this before, but allow me to discomfort you with this thought. If you immediately identify yourself with whomever you think is the hero or the good guy, you might be in danger of missing how the narrative can apply to you. We all love a villain, and here Judas is exactly that. And while I think we should feel outraged at the awkwardness that he has brought about, I can't help wonder whether I might have had some of the thoughts that he had. And as I ponder, I'm chastened to, re- to, to recall the ways that indeed I have behaved like Judas in being quick to judge or condemn or criticize. I wonder, have you ever sat in this space with a critical or judgmental spirit? Have you ever criticized The music for being too long or too contemporary or too old-fashioned Have you ever thought that some piece of the service was a waste of time? Can't we just get to the sermon or the Eucharist or the end? (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) So what did Jesus say in this situation? Well, he he rebuked Judas, telling him to leave Mary alone And he praised Mary. The poor you will always have, he said. Hmm, that seems a bit awkward too. Is Jesus being callous and uncaring? No, he was just telling it like it was. At this dinner party in Bethany on that day, they were in the midst of an extraordinary and unique event. The stuff of life, the poor, the needy, The work and the chores would all still be there the next day, but Jesus wouldn't be. And Jesus also told Judas that Mary had purchased that perfume so that she might keep it for the day of his burial. And that day was closer than any of them except Jesus knew. And of course, none of us knows when our day will come. And whether all or any of them knew it or not, the people around that dinner table were dining with the Son of God, Jesus, who had raised Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus from the dead the week before. Jesus, who himself was on his way to Jerusalem to give his life for the sins of the world. Whatever Mary may have sensed about the future at that moment, something in her spirit told her that this was a momentous occasion. And somehow Mary knew that here was something that was worth letting her hair down for, literally. Here was someone whom she was compelled to sit at his feet in wonder, love, and devotion, without a thought for herself or what it looked like or the protocols and the niceties, and was willing to pour out her love on Jesus. You know, we hear so much, don't we, about Jesus's love for us. And of course, that's right. That is our focus. But here, Mary shows us something about what our love for him can look like. How do you show Jesus your love? I think sometimes our relationships with other people can be very one-sided, You see it all the time. You see it in marriages. You see it at work, amongst colleagues. You see it in any relationship where one person simply drains the life out of the other. And how easily we can become like that, even with God. Listen to me, love me, provide for me, help me, feed me, satisfy my needs. Well, here, Mary didn't ask Jesus for anything. She didn't complain about Martha being on a case for not helping enough. She didn't get sucked into an argument with Judas. I rather think I would have been. She just loved on Jesus. Now, it sounds a bit strange, I know, but that's that's what she was doing. You know, I have to be honest, I, I do think it's a bit awkward. I don't always do so well with some of these more intimate encounters that we see in the Gospels, but I think perhaps there's something that gets lost in the telling of these stories, and particularly in the reading of them. By way of example, yesterday afternoon, I I witnessed a very intimate and tender moment here at the funeral of Maria Tranga. One of Maria's friends, a man a few years older than me, I guess, was deeply grieved, and I saw him curled up, leaning on the chest of his friend next to him, weeping. And these two men comforted one another in what to me looked like a maelstrom of emotion and grief, of sadness, sorrow, love, and joy all at the same time. Now, some of you might think, well, how wonderful. How special, how appropriate. And certainly that's what I thought and what I think. But just when you hear it, or maybe if you read about it, you might think it was a bit weird, or a bit over the top, or just a bit awkward. Well, to the person who might think that, I'd I'd say two things. First, I think you're wrong. (laughs) It wasn't weird or embarrassing. And second, suppose I'm wrong and it was awkward. Well, get over it. I mean, let's be real. And if sometimes that means things will be embarrassing, good. If we can't be real and vulnerable and authentic, and yes, even a bit awkward in church with our brothers and sisters in Christ, then God help us, and I mean that. When you come to church, what do you really want? I mean, do you want the liturgy liturgy to be just perfect? The preaching to be just the way you like it, to have just the right amount of scholarly exegesis and gripping application, as well as being funny, witty, and not too long? (laughs) Evidently, you do. (laughs) Do you want to sing the hymns or the songs you like, in the style you like, at the tempo you like? Or, or do you come to meet Jesus? If only more often we would catch a glimpse of Jesus, of his immense love and grace and power and presence, then maybe we would be a little bit more like Mary. Maybe we would pour out our love for Jesus. Maybe we do need to be more intentional as we come to worship week by week to engage in what Marva Dawn calls a royal waste of time. In her book of that title, she writes this. To worship the Lord is, in the world's eyes, a waste of time. It is indeed a royal waste of time, but a waste nonetheless. By engaging in it, we don't accomplish anything useful in our society's terms. Worship ought not to be construed in a utilitarian way. Its purpose is not to gain numbers, nor for our churches to be seen as successful. Rather, the entire reason for our worship is that God deserves it. Moreover, it isn't even useful for earning points with God for what we do in worship won't change one whit about how God feels about us. We will always still be helpless sinners caught in our endless inability to be what we should be or to make ourselves better. And God will always still be merciful, compassionate and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and ready to forgive us as we come to him. Now, I know that it's not always easy truly to worship God. It's not always easy on a Sunday morning. If you've got a toddler pulling on your hair or you're distracted by something hanging over you at work or at home. But I think what I want to say this morning is simply this. Don't be afraid of awkward moments if the choice is between belonging to the safe bland sweet church of pleasantville where nothing embarrassing ever happens or belonging to a church that is a body of real people people who are broken sometimes laughing sometimes crying sometimes hurting and sometimes healing people who don't all sing in tune and where sometimes the preacher is great and sometimes isn't or the liturgy isn't quite perfect and you sometimes get annoyed or bothered or frustrated and where some people are just plain odd. I'll take the latter any day. Give me something that is real and authentic. Give me something that is challenging and discomforting. Give me Jesus, and you know when we come ready for an encounter with him, a wonderful thing happens. The fragrance of the fake and false and fickle is replaced with the fragrance of love and joy and peace. The fragrance of Jesus overcomes the fragrance of death. Like it was at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house the week before Jesus died. Like it was here in this space yesterday at Maria Trenger's funeral. Like it is when we disagree with one another, but we remain fiercely committed to each other anyway. Like it is when we hurt each other, but we're willing to engage in the hard work of reconciliation. Will that ever be awkward? Sure it will, but that's okay. I pray that the fragrance of Jesus will fill this place week by week by week. And that as you go out from here, you will carry the aroma of Christ
0: into the world. Amen.